Hello, and welcome to the Told You So video cast. Uh, I'm Brink. And I'm Carla. And uh, once again, we're meeting in uh, proximate isolation, one might say. Uh, so close and yet so far from one another. I know! I miss you, my buddy! <laughs> one thing I did, I appreciated, uh, somebody said that we shouldn't... Um, we should be physically distancing, not socially distancing. Yeah, actually, I posted about that because I think it might be interesting to to trace the uh, is it entomology, whatever the fancy word is for the source of the word. Etymology. It, yeah. Yes. Entomology. Um, or 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 we're going to study insects. You know, it's always a toss up between me and 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 I like to say English is my second language, so I get a I get a free pass. Yeah. But anyway. It makes you wonder about like this. Of, uh, entomology, etymology, which is there like, we go. <laughs> so, um, what what the source of that word is? Because social distancing is not really what we're doing, right? We're doing physical distancing, but I feel like everyone's like figuring out, you know, in terms of like social media, that connection is still there, maybe a little too strongly. Yeah. My guess is that it's probably one of those terms of art, like herd immunity, and blah, where it's like, whoa, that has weird sounding implications, but it's like it came into use because it was a thing in epidemiology. I don't know. That'd be my guess, but I don't know. So I should look yeah. that up. <laughs> so we were thinking maybe for this show, we would not terrify all our favorite fans and wonderful people, um, and that we would just do a show about things we've been reading, maybe some shows we've been watching, a little bit of pop culture. I think there's enough uh, information and misinformation out there in terms of COVID. Uh, dis which, which I <laughs> COVID dissonance. Uh, right. <laughs> so, uh, uh, I, saw, I saw a good one was uh, COVID-1984. <laughs> and I was like, ooh, I might use that. That's probably better than the, uh, the, than the hash I created that is not getting any traction. I've shortened it from COVID dissonance to COVID dissonance. <laughs> I'm sticking to it. I don't even know what hashtags do. We're all in trouble now. I mean, they really only work on Twitter. <laughs> But, um, no, so I keep seeing people spelling it, uh, Corvid-19, and really? the Corvid is a, you know, a group of types of birds, like ravens and crows, <laughs> and it's like, anyway, I just see this in the wild all the time, and it's like, it's not Corvid-19, that would be a murder of a disease. <laughs> <laughs> Oh my God. All right, all, all joking aside, although I do want to say for the record, today is uh, Saturday, what, March 27th, 28th? Yes. And uh, just before we do switch to less serious topics, you know, people are kind of freaking out because it seems like New York, uh, you know, things are starting to cook there. But uh, just so that people don't get alarmed, as far as I can tell, you know, there are these little peaks, they happen for a week, and then there were no deaths reported in Italy or France yesterday or today. Mm -hmm. So, you know, it's it might be rough for the next week or two, but you know, everyone, stay calm, yeah. don't panic, and watch some shows like Tiger King. <laughs> books, which we're also going to talk about, but... Oh man, I have so so our listeners should know this is probably going to be a spoiler-filled episode on all fronts. If you, uh, I'll try to keep it light on the books, but I I have things to say about Star Trek Picard 
and why you shouldn't watch it. <laughs> oh, wow. Okay, because Louis started watching it when he was in South Africa, and he felt guilty. He watched maybe three without me, and so last night he was like, we should, you know, you should catch up so we can keep watching, and I was kind of like, shut up. Well, all right, I'll, I'll moderate that, but go, tell us about this television show that has captured America about the, the mullet tiger man. So the Tiger King is just, I mean, it is delightfully Americana. I mean, it is just so trashy, so Florida, so, you know, everything from, I mean, although this guy's like in Ohio or somewhere, but it's sort of, so basically it's these people who are raising uh, tigers in captivity, um, and this guy is like, he's, he's gay, he's got a mullet, he marries two men, he right. is, he ran for president, he ran for governor, he just, you know, had his own re reality TV show, there's murder, there's mayhem, there's drama, yeah. it is just riveting television. He's got everything but song and dance numbers, basically. <laughs> Oh my God, I think there's some singing and some dancing. He well, makes he makes videos. I, in fact, I think there's like music videos. So he gets into this feud with this woman who also breeds and raises animals, except she decides that uh, the way she does it is ethically and the way he does it is not ethically. And so she goes to the state, to federal government, to try and put everyone except her business out of business which is usually what people do right like once you're going to government you're usually like you know i probably can't compete on my own merits so what kind of special favors can i get so that i can screw with my competitors or i can make it harder uh put in more barriers to entry and all of that but i think it was seven episodes and it i think it was an, the start of episode six I was kind of like, I had it on in the background. I was busy with chores and stuff, whatever, in the kitchen. So I can't see the screen, but I can hear it. And I just hear like the voiceover is sort of like, um, and, oh, they were quoting someone, right? So by episode six, I mean, it's feuds, there's alligators, there's tiger. I mean, it's just, it's, okay. it's, 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 it's a lot. It like and a then you hear this voice go, well, and then everything goes to hell. And this is the start of episode six. And I was like, okay, we have dead people already. We have dead animals. We have lawsuits. People have spent millions of dollars. Like, really? Now things are going to start to pop? I can't wait. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, so I guess I, I'm giving it two thumbs up. It is the number one uh, show, I think, in Netflix right now. And I thought that was kind of neat. Like that, I only noticed that maybe in the past month or so, the Netflix trending that'll tell you what's the most popular things things people are watching. Hmm. And um, I thought, you know, if everyone's going to sit at home and watch this show, then you know, there maybe there's hope for America. I actually want to analyze it from from like a strictly libertarian standpoint because I think there's. Uh, there's potential then for people who are like, oh, I really like that show. What did I like about it? And I think what people should realize that they like about it is that's exactly how America should be. I mean, not with the when they're all murdering each other. <laughs> but, you know, what? if some dude wants to, you know, raise animals in captivity and just do his own thing, they're so, so I did not know this till I watched the show. 
ligers, like a lion mm -hmm. and a tiger, mm -hmm. that's a real thing. Oh yeah. You probably I saw one on the show. <laughs> Not sure it should be. I mean, it seems a little Frankensteinian. They're, they're bigger than both. But, right? Say again. They're like bigger than both. They're like they're like huge, aren't they? Yeah, this one seemed pretty big. I mean, it looked liony size, you know, so it kind of had like a lion shape, but more a tiger's uh, maybe uh, markings, Cassie? and then. <laughs> <laughs> um so yeah that was that was definitely that was definitely a fun watch and then the other thing i watched this week that i really enjoyed was um the the documentary with steve bannon that errol morris made called american dharma and i really want you to watch that so that we can maybe talk about it on another show because it was pretty interesting i do i mean i feel like there's a whole world of uh talking about media that we could do that we haven't really talked to do. I also, my, my dad has heavily recommended that I uh, listen to, I think it was the first episode of the third season of uh, Serial. Okay. Uh, and it's supposed to be really good about the criminal justice system. And Yeah, it's that murder podcast, right? Where they sort of take murders and they break them down and explain what happened. Uh, it sort of. It like some of the I think that the as the seasons progress, it becomes more broadly about criminal justice and okay. the way that uh, like plea bargains are used um, to get around having to give people a trial uh, and how, you know, it's like 95 percent of cases are decided by plea bargain and something like that. Um, anyway, but that's supposed to be very interesting. But yeah, like that stuff. And, and this uh, what, what is the name of the show? Because it's like I, I, can't, I can't. I just, it's called the, like, gay... The Tiger King? Show. The show we like, were just... Okay, all right, the Tiger yeah, King. Yeah, literally. <laughs> and um, and actually, because you mentioned criminal justice, I do just want to put a little shout-out today. It is Ross Ulbricht's birthday. It's his seventh year in prison. And I know that for people listening, um, if you don't know what we're talking about, he was, uh, he was involved with Silk Road and we have previous episodes that you can go look at. But I just want to encourage people, if you're listening to this and you kind of know his story and you're a supporter, drop him a, drop him a card, drop him a postcard, drop him a note. You know, it's hard when you're in, in prison. Uh, I mean, I find it kind of amusing. I don't want to talk about COVID, but I'm like, uh, so. They're, they're, I guess, letting people out of, out of jails and, you know, out of prison because it's, it's a dangerous environment for these kinds of things, but, um, not sure, you know, uh, are they emptying the jails to, you know, put the next wave in? That'll be us. <laughs> uh, uh, I don't know. I think that it is true that prisons do present I mean it's one of the just like a, a boarding school or a college it's like one of the most institutional settings where you're cheek to jowl with a bunch of other humans all the time um and from what I understand a lot of it is focused on getting like non-violent or you know low-level criminals out of there so they're not you know so they can non-essential criminals one yeah. might say yeah no so I mean I, I don't know I think that just well again not to god it's like a, a magnet that you can't steer away from um or like a gravity well COVID-19 but <laughs> uh I keep trying to leave but I come back um but uh yeah like with, with this criminal justice stuff just like with uh learning from home and working from home I think it's possible that um some of these people you know maybe 
if they're there for like simple drug possession, maybe they could be working and have an ankle bracelet on and, you know, not have to be housed by the state. Um, Cause it, it is an incredible expense and it's like a, you know, not to, not to sound all bleeding hearty, but it is like a traumatic experience to have your freedom taken away completely for something that, you know, the punishment's supposed to fit the crime. And a lot of the times the, the crime, I know in particularly in the case of like uh, people that are being detained by uh, for immigration hearings, where it's like, it's a civil offense. They might not have done anything criminal, um, but they're still in there with the murderers. And uh, I don't know if you have the technology to track them. Like why not? Yeah. I mean, three hots in a cot. I will say this, my, my little joke yesterday in uh, some Republican group online, usually I just observe there because you know, my, my views, predominantly on economics will coincide, but you know, on some social issues, I'm obviously more libertarian and I trend more towards liberty. But, um, you know, a bunch of people were complaining that I guess uh, up in the North country, they're gonna let some people who had been arrested by ICE for immigration violations out of prison and everyone, you know, who's, who's I guess a hardcore nationalist, Republican, they, you know, they were upset about that. And, and my joke was, but I'm sure they're just making room to start to arrest the people who are going to violate the lockdowns. <laughs> Crickets. Crickets. I have never, ever, I don't think I've ever posted something on Facebook that hasn't gotten at least one like. <laughs> well, anyway, on happier topics. Yes. Less, less lockdown-y, arrest-y topics which who knows how all that's going to work out. I feel like we have to, people are going to find out and I, it'll be interesting to see. Um, but so yeah. as, oh, as we segue into uh, the book discussion, I did want to mention, I saw that the nonprofit that actually gave us the Wayback Machine, mm -hmm. uh, they've established, I, I guess it's being called an emergency library online and they're making yeah. 1.2 million books available for free. So anyone who wants to, you know, use this time to foster curiosity and to like learn some stuff, I don't know, maybe read some books about totalitarianism and, you know, I would recommend 1984, Brave New World, uh, you know, Snow Crash. Uh. <laughs> There's a variety. Well, I do have one TV show to talk about. And really, it's one okay. of the TV shows. So I, I would say, you know, I love Star Trek The Next Generation. I love most Star Trek stuff, except for the original series, which is hard to watch. Um, yeah, it's surprisingly <laughs> awkward. I went back and I watched like two and I was like, oh no, I can't well, do this. Great. Um, but yeah, so I watched Picard with great interest, you know, over 10 weeks and I paid for it all. And then I found out I could have not paid for it all and binged it on the last week because they made it free to everybody. Maybe that might have compounded my annoyance, but uh, yeah, I don't know. It's uh, it's just not good to me. Um, it's a it's a big shooty, thrilling, dumb space sci-fi thing, and uh, it's dumb. It's really dumb, and I I'm gonna spare you all of the details, uh, except for here's the spoiler alert. Uh, and it's probably the biggest spoiler. So if you don't care, I mean, whatever. Fast forward 45 seconds, I'll be done talking to this. But uh, Jean-Luc Picard, do you care about spoilers, Carla? 
No, I, I, I guess I'm in it to win it here. <laughs> All right. Well, you. <laughs> I won't do it then. Never mind. Watch it out for yourself. I'm going to watch the next season because I love Patrick Stewart. I can't not, but uh, not good. Yeah, no. <laughs> it's very stupid. It's, it's, it's one of those things where it's like, uh, maybe it's like doing um, like cheap knockoff designer drugs where it feels like important big stuff is happening. And then if you think about it too hard, it was like, that was all really dumb. Like I was just like dancing like an idiot and, and like making out with strangers. It was stupid. Not How is that stupid? That sounds like the nineties, baby. <laughs> anyway, point, point being it, it's like, it, it uses all of the tricks of, of media to make you feel like you should feel things, but there's no emotional actual core to it whatsoever. And none of the characters are consistent. And it's annoying. So, so, so the sci-fi I've been watching actually is Altered Carbon. Have I you been watching that, that at all? I, I saw the first season of it. It's great. Yeah. So, uh, so we did season one, and then I watched season two while while Louis was gone. I snuck it in like a terrible wife. And then uh, we've been watching it since he got back as well. And that really is, um, you know, it's so sophisticated because I always think about these stories and storylines and storytelling and narrative because I'm a writer myself, of course, also. But um, I always think of my grandmother who she she just never could wrap her mind around any story where there was any kind of timeline jump. She okay. would just start to be like, what's going on? Where are they? What world? Yeah. And so with Altered Carbon, uh, I missed the first two episodes the first time we watched it. Okay. And so the entire first season, just for people listening along, it's it's set in the future and, and people have sleeves and stacks. And the sleeve is your body and the stack is your consciousness. And so you can put someone's brain into someone else's sleeve. Double sleeving is illegal. So you're not supposed to have the same person, you know, in two bodies, two bodies with different minds. But um you know, so I, I didn't really realize that some of the characters were all the same people the first time I watched it. So like Carla's grandma, I was pretty confused. So I feel like watching it the second time, I'm like, oh, okay, I get it. And it's brilliant. And it's a lot of, you know, it's complex sci-fi. It's complex explorations of what makes us human, uh, you know, and, and, and all these questions that we should grapple with. Oh, and also that guy that plays the uh, like the super rich guy in season one. Um, he's like one of my favorite actors. He he played uh, Mark Antony in the HBO series Rome, which was yeah. really good, like really really entertaining and kind of the the harbinger of Game of Thrones, where it was like let's make an insanely high budget TV show. Yeah, uh, it was <laughs> it was fantastic, and honestly, actually, anyone who's sort of interested in in Maybe not even if you're interested in history. Like, I feel like that was the kind of show where you could just watch it regardless of what's your genre passion and, and really enjoy it. And it's got great, interesting themes, too, as far as, like, liberty and personal responsibility. And it's all around the, you know, it's the, the protagonists are two legionnaires who come back to Rome, and it's all, like, the story of Caesar uh, around that. So it's really, really good, really worth, worth a watch. But you know what I really actually also liked about it? I mean, guess Gladiator did that as well, but because they sort of picked, you know, we watched so many and, and you know, I, I mean, I, I, 
if I could remember anything, I would be an expert on Roman time. I, I mean, I'd be an expert on history if I could remember anything. But um, particularly with Rome, you know, so so often all the stories are just kind of tell from the boss's point of view. And what I really liked about Rome, the TV show, is it was kind of, I mean, it, there was a lot of the, the sort of top people, but there's also like this point of view where you're watching it really from the working class. Yeah, it's like street yeah, and you get the, the the guy that's like a soldier that lives in regular people housing and doesn't live in a huge villa. No, it was really good. Really, really good. Um, but yeah, so anyway, so I guess my recommendation would be watch Rome, <laughs> get HBO, and I think they have it on there. And uh, also get get HBO in general because they have curb enthusiasm. And yeah, and I'm, actually, I'll probably reshare this, but, you know, back when I ran for Senate in 2016, I, I uh, made a list of seven documentaries that I would recommend people watch if they're really interested in sort of maybe uh, understanding statism from a different perspective or sort of even just understanding, I think for a lot of people, uh, our perspective can seem odd or just alien because no one's ever talked to people about you know whether the you know your locus is the government's telling you what to do and you you're a fool uh, you know a fool roller a uh, rule follower <laughs> or if you know uh, or if your locus is you know internal to external so that's how we look at things right so it's really like where is your locus in terms of how you look at authority are you in charge or is someone else in charge right and so these seven documentaries, uh, you know, and they run the gamut. They're everything from, you know, Let It Burn, which, uh, you know, was Philadelphia and the move uh, movement from the 70s, I think that was, maybe the 60s, I forget now. But basically, you know, where, where uh, you know, where in Philadelphia, people, uh, you know, just bombed a neighborhood, burnt down a whole bunch of blocks, killed a bunch of people. Uh, that one's on there, but then there's some unknown ones. Uh, the Ballad of uh, Gabriel Marquez, I think is his name. Uh, that was a story about when they deployed, when Clinton deployed um, uh, the army, uh, you know, illegally on the border down south. Uh, this was in the 90s, and uh, they ended up shooting a, a, you know, American citizen in the back, uh, you know, on the border because he was herding his goats and he had plinked. You know, there were guys in ghillie suits and he was out with his goats and he must have seen movement. I don't know, maybe a guy in a ghillie suit that you're not expecting. Yeah, and right. he had a 22 and he was just kind of like, oh, there was something there. And yeah, then everyone went crazy and like stalked him and shot him in the back and threw him in a well. So there are, um, yeah, so uh, I'll, I'll maybe we can share it on the show notes. There, there are a couple of good, you know, documentaries there as well. Cool. Well, uh, yeah, let's talk about books and stuff. I like books. I have a bunch of them behind me. Um, oh, huh. all right. Successful aging. Okay. <laughs> uh, a neuroscientist explores the power and potential of our lives. Hmm. And it's really good because he writes... Um, you know, very explanatory, but it's all about brain science and all the new stuff we're discovering and understanding brains and hormones and chemicals and like all this stuff that really is 
you know, there was a lot of speculation for all the years. People were like, we think this is how, you know, this works. And, and I think now we're starting to be like, oh my God, we can actually figure it out. You know, we could throw someone in an MRI machine. And um, I mean, the, the crux of it is like, stay optimistic, stay, you know, stay positive, you know, stay fit enough so that, you know, like once you start getting injuries, it's, it's not good. So I know. Uh, that's what I'm working on. Still can't remember shit, but what do you got? Um, well, for like really good fiction, so uh, I just finished online or on my Kindle uh, this book, Raising Steam, and it is a oh, these are backwards now, you can't see it. Shoot, no, they're not backwards for me. Oh, sweet, all right. Well, Terry Pratchett, he's a great author, uh, unfortunately, passed away a little while ago. He uh, wrote a whole bunch of different stories in this setting called Discworld, uh, that he invented that's kind of like a giant parody of every possible fantasy and uh sci-fi world and you know it's just really really witty intelligent brilliant writing that's fun to read and it's like the kind of stuff where you're reading it and then you wish there was someone else in the room so you could like read it out loud to them and laugh and laugh <laughs> you know um oh my god i haven't thought of terry Pratchett in years oh, i'm like yeah okay I, I will definitely read that so yeah but uh this is uh Small Gods is one of my favorite ones. Uh, it's all about, um, uh, it kind of works with the, he sets up the idea in his world where gods are powered by belief. So, you know, there are these abandoned gods that used to be these huge badasses, but everyone stopped believing in them. And they're, you know, wisps in the desert that barely even exist anymore. Um, but this is about, that's the story of the god Ohm, who there's this giant Omnian civilization that's dedicated to him, but he's still a little teeny tiny God. And it turns out <laughs> they don't actually worship him. They have this whole superstructure that they've built around the worship of Ohm. That's say, anyway, it's, it's really, really good. Um, really fun. And uh, it'll make you laugh and think, and it's just extremely. Oh my God. That actually reminds me. Another thing we started watching is Ragnarok. Oh, is that any good? Uh, it's Norwegian. Mm-hmm. Um, we're not watching with subtitles. We're listening to the translated one, which I don't know when this became fashionable, where they use the accent of the country that it's being translated from. So obviously they're just using actors with Norwegian accents. I'm not <laughs> sure how I feel about that, but so far it's actually surprisingly good. It's like the premise is basically that there's this little town, mining town, where there's some kind of pollution, something's happening up in the mountains in a fjord. And then basically it's this like teenage kid who's just, you know, he's a big guy and he's kind of like, and then it turns out he's like, oh no, am I a god? (laughs) And then along the same veins, actually, I'm going to blank on the name now, but there was just one, um, I am not okay with this or something like that is what it's called on Netflix. Yeah. It's about like a teenage girl with superpowers that's like figuring it out. Yeah, and that was surprisingly good. Like, I really actually enjoyed it. But maybe what's interesting about these kinds of stories, and I I do know we have the selection bias, of course, but I think it's really interesting that there are all these stories that are sort of coming coming out where maybe there is this, like, readjustment, right? Like, I I think we talked about this in the past, but where I I feel like there's been so much uh, storytelling 
And, you know, so if you're in a company, like content has exploded and it feels like maybe for the first time in a long time, we're actually seeing really powerful characters who do have that locus where it's, you know, from the inside out, like I'm powerful, I'm a God, I'm a, you know, and, and maybe we need those stories again because not everyone can be a victim. Like we gotta be heroes. You gotta be the hero of your own story. Well, speaking of that, my next uh, book that I've been cracking back open because it's great uh, to read, to contextualize things whenever things are terrible. This is Sagas of the Icelanders. Okay, yep. Good. It's really big. Wow. <laughs> um, it's got basically every saga. Um, it's very read a lot. <laughs> um, but it's all these great weird stories from this time when people had completely different values. And so the things they emphasize are totally different. And, you know, the style of writing is this really interesting mode of poetry most of the time. Um, and they use these, like... Uh, uh, what the heck are they called? It's uh, like a poetic device called uh, kenning, um, where it's like an extended metaphor, but you leave out the the thing that connects it. So it's like, uh, it doesn't make a ton of sense unless you know what it is, if that makes sense. Um, anyway, it's really, really good, really, really like fascinating material. And it's this great record of humans that lived in a really, really difficult place to live uh, around the turn of the last millennia uh and it's just fascinating they're they're all we're all such humans we all keep being human like inexorably <laughs> you know i mean it is the one thing that connects us all <laughs> yeah so i i love stuff like that it's kind of you know obviously it's heightened so it's not like a journal but this is the you know the idealized storified version of a bunch of people's lives it's really cool so I recommend picking up that book. It's usually pretty cheap. If I remember correctly, it's only like 30 bucks, 20 bucks. 20 bucks for 20 bucks. more stories than you can shake a stick at. <laughs> and then I guess this will be my last one. This is, uh, is it, it's backwards for you or no? No, I can see it normally. Okay, cool. So this is Heaven on Earth, The Rise, Full, and Afterlife of Socialism by Joshua Murabchik. Murabchik. Uh, so he actually came out, the author came out to New Hampshire maybe like a month ago and did a, a little lecture and whatever. The lecture was, yeah, you know, he's... At Bartlett Center, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, the book so far is that, you know, I'm like maybe three quarter, uh, a third of the way in. Um, what's good about it is it's, you know, it's talking about um, the history of of socialism sort of from very personal and very sort of understandable perspective right because one of the I, I saw a quote right before we got on on this call where uh you know this guy was like no one in cuba wears shade guevara t-shirts <laughs> and i was like yep that's the point you know it's only the lefties who haven't read books like heaven on earth who think it's good to wear a mass murderer on their chest and Pretty sure they'd have something to say if these dumbass right alt wing people started wearing Hitler t-shirts. Probably true. I <laughs> <laughs> well, I have I have two more, and we should actually probably wrap up pretty soon here. I think we might be yeah. up against the recording limit. We have a forty-minute recording limit, so and I'm not sure when we started. <laughs> um, <laughs> so this is, yeah, right. So this is a half. Of, I'll call this half a book. Order it online. It's Iron Chef. Oh, 
yes. Since I was like 17, it had some water damage action from a little flood, but uh, it's great. It has the total record, like a whole bunch of like stories about Iron Chef, all of these like in their own words. And, oh my God, can I borrow that? Yeah, absolutely. It's awesome. It always lifts my spirits. Um, and you can watch all the original Iron Chefs, almost all of them on YouTube, if you just search for it. Um, and then finally, I'm going to reread this because I ordered a couple of copies for it. Uh, but this is one of my favorite books of all time. It's really long, so I've only read it once before, but it made a big impression and I need to read it again. It's the Illuminatus Trilogy. It has wow. the worst cover art. It looks like a 60s nightmare or really more like late 70s, early 80s nightmare. Um, What's but- with, the, with the jumping dolphins? So... <laughs> It's because there are sentient dolphins that talk to Hagbard Selene, the bizarre libertarian submarine captain who's a major player in the book. Um, and the, the, uh, the pyramid, that's Leviathan, an ancient... Oh, yeah, no, I could tell that part. I was like, I'm all on top of that symbolism. It is, it is this crazy book. Uh, it was inspired by um, the, the writers were both editors at Playboy, and they would get crazy conspiracy mail. And so they synthesized all these different crazy influences into like a unified conspiracy theory. And so it's this wild story and it shifts back and forth in perspectives from, you know, uh, it goes from like a, a, a detective uh, to a Buddhist monk to like a squirrel that's in a tree looking at the monk. So it just like hops all over the place and, um, you know, has like found uh, like articles and, uh, uh, reprints from newsletters as part of the story. It's really yeah, That sounds like my manuscript that's coming out. <laughs> <laughs> well, because I just remember like uh, the original, you know, Bram Stoker's Dracula. If, you, if you've read that, it's, um, it's a journal and it's, it's all laid out. The narrative is a journal and it has news clippings and it has all kinds of stuff in there. And I remember thinking that was so cool because it's like you're stretching, it makes it a multimedia experience, even though it's just yep. a book, you know? Um, but this is can, like- can I tell you a secret? And this will make me cry actually. So when I started writing my, 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 not the book that's coming out now, but the one that's about my court case and everything. So I started writing it 10 years ago when I got arrested, right? That was sort of like a in real time diary. And I remember at the time I was actually writing it and, and it, parts of it would be like Facebook or tweets or stuff. And it was literally at the time I was like, I'm definitely writing a bestseller because no one's doing this yet. I'm on the cutting edge. And of course yeah. now it's 10 years later, I haven't actually published it. And um, I'm like, yeah, now everyone does that. In fact, like now you, when you go to people's blogs, it's not really even, no one's really, you know, I, I mean, Twitter, what a garbage fire. Shots and I know. So anyway, so I'm sad about that. Yeah. Well, it's all right. You can just do a, a VR companion piece. And everyone might. <laughs> but, uh, At some later date. Yeah, no, but uh, everyone should stay positive. Yeah. Look after their immune systems. Get out there. Go get some healthy. Try something new every day. Like, that's something I'm going to try and do. At some yeah. stage, I'm going to cut my own hair. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, it's getting wilder every day, and I need to shave, and... It's, uh, it's been a long week, but uh, yeah. Well, thank you so much for spending some time talking about books and movies and stuff that we like. Uh, I hope that maybe this has given you some suggestions that you might enjoy. Um, and we will be back next week with even more. Told you so. Take care. All right. Bye. Peace out.